I thought I would just create this space because, yeah, like, like over the last 18 months or so, I've been working in projects that are all around community resilience, um, which started with a, a council project that was kind of more bushfire related, but it was looking at principles of how do communities recover. And then that sort of morphed into, you know, bushfires, floods, COVID. And then um, that project kind of led into some other ones. And the big one has been working with Headspace this year, particularly around youth mental health, um, which has been really fun and cool work. But it's also meant that I've got to spend quite a bit of time um, reading or having conversations with um, people working in that mental health space um, as well as the like hearing the lived experiences of a lot of young people and, and what this time's been like for them. And, um, yeah, it's probably been like selfishly, um, like I've just gotten a whole bunch of free counselling or psychology or like extra support. So um, have been really trying to share as widely as I can what's been helping me. Um, but I might just like take a moment, you know, breath is so central to mental health like breath is foundational to just our health and really our mental health is just part of our health um so i just thought just take a moment take a few deep slow breaths we sometimes need reminding to do that and uh, i might pray a, a very simple uh simple prayer just to try and yeah create some space for us to listen to breathe deeply to be together and then uh we'll kind of jump into some you know, some thoughts and some practical stuff. But let's just take a few deep breaths and close your eyes if you want. Don't feel like you have to, but I'm going to. God, thank you for our breath. Thank you that uh, what it means to be human is, is to be um, dust with the divine breath according to uh, the story of scripture. And uh, I pray that each of us, we'd be able to just get in touch with, with that breath, that spirit, uh, the spirit in our respiratory system, and just that we would just be able to slow down, listen deeply to ourselves, and, um, yeah, to, to hopefully... Um, find some things that are going to help us as we continue to navigate really unpredictable and stressful times. Amen. So three kind of key areas that I've been thinking about that I think have a, a big impact on our, um, our, just our health is really what I want to say. Like the more I do stuff in the mental health world, the more you just realize that it's just another way that we try and um, compartmentalize things. But our health is our health. And, and our well-being is, is how we treat our bodies and our brains are a part of our bodies. Um, but three kind of really significant areas that I think impact our, our kind of, I guess, our mental state, our mental well-being, are the guiding narratives that we're kind of living out of or paying attention to. Um, and that's how we kind of are making sense of the world and our experiences. So as we go through unpredictable times and disruptive times, Humans are meaning-making creatures and so we are constantly hearing other people commentate and make meaning of what is happening in the world. And some of those voices are more helpful and some of them are probably more harmful. Some of them are narratives of despair and futility or anger and frustration and maybe there are some narratives of, of hope and compassion. And so that's just the first thing that I'm just giving you the bird's eye view here of three areas I want to kind of just quickly delve into tonight. So the, our guiding narratives. The second area is our connection with others. And this comes through in all research around communities recovering from any kind of crisis event, whether that's bushfires, earthquakes, or indeed now pandemics. Um, our, the, the level of connection and the quality of connection we have with other people is so significant for our um, our sense of coping and resilience. And the third thing um, is that the little things, the little habits, rhythms, routines that we have in place. Um, it's kind of the idea that when you can't control the big, 
go in and control the small. Control how many glasses of water you drink or how many notifications you have on your phone or whether or not you go for walks. The, all of that stuff, like the little habit stuff, is huge. So that's the bird's eye view. Guiding narratives, our connection with others and I think also with ourselves, the quality of our connections and our habits and rhythms. These are really, really significant kind of building blocks for our overall well-being and sense of how we are in the world. Um, so just going to quickly go through each of them and in each area, hopefully ask some questions that prompt your thinking, your inner reflection, and then also kind of offer maybe some practices that you might want to try out. And just acknowledging that at the beginning of this conversation, um, obviously when it comes to the spectrum of mental health, um, it is a continuum. We move along it. We don't suddenly arrive at health or unhealth and, and it can help us maybe just to reframe the conversation around, oh, am I healthy or unhealthy to um, what can I do to help me move more in a direction that's going to just help me to feel a bit lighter, help me to feel in a better place. And it doesn't really matter where you are on the continuum. Um, obviously, there are kind of crisis points where we need some, some real professional help. But almost anywhere where we are, there's a small step that we can take that's going to help us just to orient our direction towards, you know, the, the direction of increased health and well-being. So I just want you to take a moment and think for a moment about the kind of narratives that we are exposed to right now, the meaning-making that is going on. I've had multiple people send me messages this week with their, um, you know, article that they read, which is the hot take on what's going on in the world right now and how orchestrated it is or not. And um, I'm just seeing that people are like looking looking for voices to make sense of our experience, which is natural. Like that's part of what it means to be human. Um, but for you and for me, I guess a good question to ask is which kind of guiding voices are setting the narrative in our, in our mental space right now? We get some of those through the media that we consume, obviously, the, the kind of news apps that we have and the regularity with which we're checking those. Um, we get those through our Facebook algorithms and through what we click on we get more of um, and it's just so important to remind ourselves that when it comes to both the news and social media um, they both play off feeding our anxiety and our fear and the way that our brains work the way that our brains have evolved to work is to look for threats is to look for bad news and so obviously that stuff generates um, industries and I'm fine with those industries existing and uh, like, uh, you know, it's fine to, to engage with the news. It's, it's important, but how much does that set the guiding narrative for, for what's going on in our head or in our communities or in our households or in our schools or in our streets? Um, and just reminding ourselves, even if we're reading it in a good place, it, it, often feeds into if we have any underlying levels of anxiety, fear, distress, those can those can just be like dialing up dialing up the notches on those things. Um so I'd ask you and and me just to like just you know try and think are there particular sources of information right now that whether they're true or false are actually um feeding the parts of you that are probably a bit more edgy or frustrated or anxious than usual? And are there voices or, or sources of information right now that are actually helping to feed the, the nurturing, the self-compassion, you know, the hope, um, that the kind of deeper narrative that we want to live out of? Um, I'll just give a quick moment in case anybody wants to share. No pressure, but as you hear what I'm saying, is there anything that's popping into your your mind, your context around some of those those kind of guiding voices that maybe are just a bit a bit loud right now? Yeah, you mentioned the media. I stopped listening to the 11 a.m. press conferences recently, 
So I was orientating my, um, like my recess break around that time. And I just felt as though my break time had just become a source of stress and further anxiety, just that it was just listening to the numbers and the, just the constant feed that I then was, like you said, reading about on Facebook and in news articles and things. So something consciously I did was to just, when I have my breaks now, I don't have my phone or any kind of technology with me. I just have time for myself just to wind down a bit away from that, that mm. kind of feed. Yeah, and it's made, it has made a really big difference. That's great. Good on you, Ben. Mm. Mm. Well, I was going to say that um, I've taken to, like, saving pictures and memes and things like that to my phone. I have a folder on my phone of stuff that um, I can use to counter, I guess, the negative voices or the negative things. Um, so to remind myself about what is real and what is important um, in the midst of, of everything. So yeah, I can if I if I read something on Facebook that's upsetting or distressing or whatever, I can just flick straight over to my um, gallery and you know, sweep through <laughs> those things that just remind me about you know the I guess the narrative that I want to hear in my life and that I want to live out in my life. Mm. So good, awesome. Yeah, I've been thinking quite a bit as well about you know, restrictions, um, the whole, even, even when we use over and over words like restriction and lockdown, they reinforce a certain narrative around the emphasis being on what we're losing right now. And it's understandable. Um, but I find it helpful when I reframe that my actions right now, even, even getting the vaccine to me was an act of focusing towards others and staying at home or, you know, like abiding by the, the restrictions is actually about future freedoms and is actually about, you know, vulnerable people and love and compassion for those people. And, and just I've found that within myself, when I kind of reorient around what I've lost right now to what I'm fighting for, what, like why are we actually doing this? It's because we actually care about people's health and we care about the community um that's just a just a resetting the narrative um i think when it comes to all of this and when it comes to you know the narratives that we have in our head in, at any point in time i think a lot there's a there's a quote from dr henry cloud psychologist and you know famous sort of writer and, and he says reality is always your friend and so it's not about telling ourselves a story that distracts us from the challenging parts of reality, but it's actually about, and the reason reality is always your friend is because you can only start to actually make meaningful change when you acknowledge the very real stuff. And that can be the most hard stuff to confront. But I think that I want, I want the narratives in my mind and the voices that I'm exposed to, to acknowledge the absolute crappiness of right now while seeing hope and potential and possibility. And I love Nicola's post earlier because it was about like just the deep love for humanity. And right now there's so much temptation to see just the scumbag nature of, you know, different people in the community and different things that can be really like, oh, they just, they feel so frustrating. But um, to actually try and go, all right, I want the narrative I'm living out of right now, the voices that I'm allowing to guide me, to be ones that lead me towards hope, possibility, grace. Um, obviously, I feel like Christianity is a deep well for reorienting around that narrative. How would Jesus be be in a pandemic? Um, you know, I think he would be um, a voice on social media of of um, obviously at times some confrontation where there needs to be confrontation. Um, but for the vulnerable, for those who are confused, for those who are in despair, certainly a voice of, of compassion and centering and groundedness. Um, so we could do a whole long thing on narrative and re-narrative, but just self-awareness of these things is huge. So just ask yourself over the next week, coming weeks, who's setting, who's setting the story in your mind? And do you need to like turn down some voices? 
turn up some others, like what Nicola was saying, have some things on hand that, that kind of bring you back to um, what is positive and life-giving. And, um, yeah, that, that can be a huge just foundational, like just get, get out from being in it and have a look at the stories that, that you're telling and reframe them. So the second area that I mentioned that's so important for our mental health as we go through unpredictable times is, is our sense of connection um, with others and, and definitely with ourselves as well. Um, I spoke to this psychologist last year named Rob Gordon. He's, he's had a 30-plus year career responding to crisis events. So he goes into communities post-bushfire, post-earthquake, post-cyclone, post-flood, whatever it is, and helps the community to pick up the pieces. And he was talking to me about trauma and about how um, if you think about, he had this great image around in our body we have a digestive system and the things that we eat are supposed to pass through us. Um, the role of the digestive system is to, is to process and then allow those things to pass through. What happens when somebody experiences a trauma, like a psychological trauma, is that that doesn't get protest, processed, it doesn't get digested. So when the trauma gets triggered, it comes as if it's the first time. It's all fresh. Um, and he talked about how when communities experience a trauma, um, the, if, if people feel like they have to process what they're going through alone or if they do withdraw, it's like the role that community can play in, in terms of trauma is the community can become a digestive system. It can become like a stomach as we work through those things that, that have stayed with us, that have been stuck with us in good, safe relationships, we can actually process something that is, we can't process alone. And, and so he talks about um, communities that actually come out well from a bushfire, for example, are those that they have spaces where people are able to share their stories able to share their experiences and they're kind of able to do that like collective digesting work. And I really like that sort of image um, that community helps us to process things that we kind of we're limited in how much we can process it in our own head. Um, so the question again is, do we have those spaces where we can digest what we're going through and how strong are our, our connections right now? And obviously, we have to get a bit creative with, with what our connections and our sense of relationships look like. Um, but three kind of fundamentals that I think about when I think about having quality, protective community in place is we want to we wanna have relationships and community that's, that's safe, that's real, and that's regular. Those are like the three kind of ingredients for really good, protective connections and relationships where it's, you feel safe, it's, it's high trust, um, you can be real. You don't have to hide who you are. Um, and there's a certain level of predictability and regularity. Um, I reckon if you're not already catching up with people for walks right now, that is like the, the biggest um, positive thing you could be doing right now because it's, it's the physical exercise of going for a walk plus somebody to talk to. Um, so I've been finding that really helpful and obviously people have different situations and maybe not everyone's doing that, but if it's something you could start just walking with somebody once a week, that's been huge for me. Um, in terms of those kind of those categories, safe, regular, real, just wondering if that brings up any, any thoughts for anybody or if you feel like you want to share anything around that or where you've, I guess, been finding that kind of connection through this season. No pressure, but if anybody wants to share, provide a moment. More of a question, but <clears throat> safe and real kind of sounded the same to me. Like, do you want, like, would you be able to yeah. pull that out a bit? Yeah, I guess in my mind, the difference would be a safe person um, is someone you can, you can trust. Um, they're definitely similar, but I can, <laughs> I, can, I can imagine someone who is a safe person, but I don't feel comfortable being fully real with them just because of, you know, the level of the relationship. 
So I think you can be part, for example, I think that by and large meeting ground is, is a pretty safe community. I, I hear lots of people say that, but I understand that people might have varying levels of who they feel they can really open up with around, particularly around if they might be struggling, which is not a criticism of the community. It's just that you might only feel that you can really um, open up about that stuff with, you know, maybe two or three other people or, or one or two yeah. other people. So that's probably like the, and when I say thinking about safe, regular and real, it might only be that there's, there's one person that you know that you see every week that you do, you feel like you can say I'm having a shit week and they're going to, re- their response is going to be safe. Safe is probably more about how the other person responds. Real is about how you feel in terms of your willingness it. to open up. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. It's still in my head anyway, it feels a little bit like uh, to have real, you have to have safe. Yeah. So safe is kind of redundant in your three steps. Let's, but- di- let's ditch it. <laughs> it, was, it was throwing out the alliteration anyway. Like, yeah. You know, cheeky little S. Real and regular. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, man. Making my, uh, yeah. my little... It's, it's a tricky though because you want the alliteration but you also want everything to always be in threes. That's like the golden rule of communication. Yeah. So. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> awesome. Any other thoughts on that? Um, I've found, I mean, I've been lucky in that I work in disability care so our work still goes on 100% and we still go and see people. Um, and in that community of, you know, disability support, there is a general atmosphere of everybody sort of on board with doing their bit to help the wider community in the middle of the pandemic. But then I found it really helpful to that there's, again, people that are safe and real to talk to there who have differing opinions, particularly around like, you know, things like vaccines and safety and that sort of thing. But being able to have those discussions with them to sort of reframe the narrative as far as like sitting back in um, social media and reading all the things that just like make you angry and make you upset about what other people are doing out there and then talking to people about their perspective and why they're struggling with, you know, whether they want to get the vaccine or, you know, how safe they feel sort of like gets rid of that us versus them Mm. thing for the wider community, if that makes sense, which I found really helpful. Yeah, for sure. Those conversations are much better had in relationship than, um, yeah, just with strangers on the internet. Yeah, oh, that's good stuff. So I want I want to just like ask a few questions to hopefully just spark your your thinking here. But um, hopefully you've experienced that kind of relationship with somebody um, at some point. I really hope so. I want you to just think about somebody who you feel um, comes to mind when you think about a person who, when you're with them, you feel seen, you feel heard and, and you feel safe. And maybe even, um, you feel a sense of warmth. You feel a sense of positive connection. Try and bring somebody to mind who represents those things for you. Um, lovely if they're sitting next to you. Um, and just, just think for a moment around, like, what do you notice as you think about that person? You think about what it's like to be in their presence and what it's like to, yeah, whether it's going for a walk with them or, you know, in another life sitting and having a coffee with them at a cafe or whatever. But um, then think about what they do to create that kind of quality presence. You know, what what is it about that person that in the way that they are with you, you feel seen, you feel heard, you feel a warm connection. And if anybody does want to share anything, as if anything strikes you as you think about that, feel free to share it. Otherwise, I'll keep going in a second. I, think I don't feel like I have anyone like that at the moment, other than like Devlin at home, but also we have we like each other still, which is great, but it's it's hard when you only see that one person and that's it. Otherwise, because I don't go for walks with anyone or anything like that because I'm immunocompromised, so we're still mm. trying to be as careful as we can. And it's pretty lonely. Yeah. So, yeah. 
Thanks for sharing that, Tegan. Have you have you had that in the past? Can you think of are there people that come to your mind from different stages of life? Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. And it's it's hard that those people aren't always um you know, there's obviously physic like some real limitations right now, but even if there wasn't, I, I imagine there would be people right now, even if life was normal, who would not necessarily have that person right now. And I always, you know, want to acknowledge that kind of reality. Um Often when I think about people like that, I think about people who are really present. I think about people who really are present listeners and it's like they they really actually sort of shine a spotlight on you in a way that, yeah, I have this person that comes to mind, my name, Jen, who we knew from Canberra and we haven't seen her in a long time. But when you're around Jen, she just asks such genuine questions and follow-up questions oh, how's this thing going? Oh, tell me more about that. It's just this wonderful thing. To, like when I think about being around Jen, I feel, I feel real warmth. And so um, I guess I just my, my like flipping it question is how do other people feel when they're around you? Or how do other people feel when they're around Will? Like what is the quality of connection or presence that I bring, like partly to my family? Obviously, that's who I'm spending the most time with right now. But also if I do see another human or even, you know, on a phone call or on a Zoom, what's it like to be around me? So think about that for a moment just in your own context and not in a shame-based way. I don't say that to make anybody feel like, oh, geez, I am not a present person to be around because I probably would be the, the worst a lot of the time. Um, but just to try and build that sense of, yeah, self-awareness is, is so crucial for changing how we live and act in the world. And so when I ask myself that question, I think, who's someone who gives me that quality connection? Do I give that to other people or how could I give that to other people? And I was in a, a counselling session a while back, like maybe a year ago or something, just talking through some stuff and I was talking about how I always feel like I'm pulled in many different directions. Lots of people want my time. Um, and I often feel like everyone's kind of missing out. Like no one's actually getting much quality presence here. Now, maybe you can relate to that. Maybe, maybe not. But um, the, the counselor asked me, does Will ever get the best of Will? Like, do you ever get to sit with, the quality presence of yourself. And that was like the most confronting question because <laughs> I was like, like, no way. Like uh, I'm, I'm just giving everyone leftovers, but I don't, it, there's, there's, I struggle very much to kind of um, be with myself in a quality way. And so that kind of became a little bit of an invitation to realize that um, partly if I'm going to offer presence and groundedness and, you know, a healthy self to others, I have to learn to be able to offer that to myself as well, to offer myself my presence, my to listen deeply to myself um, and to create that kind of space. Um, and I've kind of had this little mantra for the last couple of years that I return to pretty often, which is just be where you are with who you are with. And that includes me. So if I'm just with me, then be where I am with who I am with. If I'm with my family or if I'm with others, uh, if I'm with you guys right now, you know, just to remind myself, be where you are with, with who you are with because it's so hard. Often it's like I'm, I'm in yesterday or tomorrow or I'm thinking about other people or I'm, you know, quite anxious about things. So um, take that if it's helpful. And as you think about what it looks like to take care of you know, your headspace during this time, um, even if it means that there's a real challenge in more time with yourself or more time, you know, in the close proximity of home relationships. Um, yeah, I just encourage you to think about what it looks like to be present to that and with that. Um, that can be quite a brave thing. There's a, there's a book that came out last year that, that is um, a recommended read called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry by a guy named John Mark Comer. 
Um, but there's just one sentence from that book, which is outstanding. I think he says, hurry and love are incompatible. And so often I feel like I'm on the hurry, the hurry train where I'm rushing to the next thing, skipping past the current moment. Um, and even, even when I'm at home, like so much more, I'm still somehow, still somehow feel like my insides are like a speeding train. Um, but hurry and love are incompatible. So if I want to live out of love for myself and for others, now you can be, you can be busy without being hurried, but so often hurry is the result of just, um, yeah, we, we have like a never ending stack of things that we're trying to get done in less time than we could ever get them done. Um, so any, any thoughts sparked, any comments, questions, before we move on to section three. I think for me, not just Harry, but um, things like to-do lists and that sort of thing, I find it very hard to break my, I guess, my plan of what, you know, I was going to get done, I was going to do this, I was going to do this. I find it very hard when that gets broken into to actually give people my full attention because my brain is always trying to jump to the next thing that I had planned. That's definitely something I need to work on. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. To-do lists can be so helpful because they can provide a sense of like structure and achievement and order, but I, you can, it can become like, you can become a slave to it and it actually stops you from the interruptions that can be quite life-giving if you surrender to them. Yeah. Um, so Yeah. Just, uh, I guess, to, to wrap up that bit of, uh, you know, around connection and things, like just are there, are there little ways? I mean, I totally hear what Tegan said and, and that, is, that is really rough, but um, is there somebody you could just check in with through a text each week at the moment or is there, um, is there someone you could go for a walk by yourself and call on the phone? Like I'm heaps over Zoom, but I've been rediscovering the goodness of the old phone call because I can actually walk around, I can be out in the sun, People don't have to look at my face. I don't have to think about what I'm looking like. Um, so, you know, I encourage you to think about those creative ways you can try and have some safe, regular, real connection or just regular and real as uh, as Graham would, would have it. Um, a little thing I've been doing is after lunch every day, I've just been trying to leave my phone at home and I just go for like literally a five minute walk and I've been just saying Psalm 23, um, you know, particularly like the, the Lord is my shepherd. I, I want nothing just to, like I have everything. I'm content. Um, and then, you know, the lines around, he, he leads me beside quiet waters, um, makes me lie down in green pastures, restores my soul. Like they're just good. They're good words for me. And I feel like that's a very simple holistic achievable um, moment of disconnection from the tech, short bit of walk, bit of vitamin D, bit of some, some reorienting narratives. And it's like anybody could do that. Like it's five minutes. So encourage you to think about if there's something like that, that might be, might be helpful for you. All right. So um, talked about the, the, the voices and the narratives, huge, um, Building the positive connections, such a protective factor for our mental health um, and helps us to process like the, the stomach, the external stomach of community to process what we're going through. And then the third area that, um, that I think is, is critical is, is having a look at our, our little habits um, and the little things we can control when everything else feels out of control. Um, now I'm obviously pretty big on habits. Um, me and Benj, you know, we used to make inhabit podcast, um, which was pretty much just us talking about, you know, like how to make habits, how to break habits, um, how to make good ones. Um, so I'm just going to hit you with some, some basic kind of overview of nerdy habit stuff. And then I want to kind of just quickly lead this towards, um, maybe a habit that you want to work on and how you can do that in a way that you're very likely to succeed. Um, so really quickly, habits are arguably much more important than goals or vision. People are obsessed with goal setting and vision, um, but most of the time those are big 
airy off in the distance things that we get inspired for a moment and then we either forget about it or we feel crap for not doing it. Whereas habits are really, really small things that in the moment they don't seem significant, but our habits add up and they are the, the compound interest of change. Um, the impact of small habits over time is, is way bigger than kind of sporadic, large, dramatic actions that have no consistency. Um, scientists kind of reckon that about 40% of our behavior is, is habit, is just automated, is stuff that we do without thinking about it, which is a pretty large amount. And that's our brain trying to save um, energy by just making neural pathways that it can just, it can kind of do that without thinking. Um, and there's this guy named James Clear, wrote a book called Atomic Habits, which is a great book. I recommend it to people all the time. But he says you should be far more concerned with your current trajectory than your current results. And I love this idea and I think it's quite helpful as we think about health as well because we can think about um, oh, current results. Am I you know, getting what I want right now? And that can be kind of a, a bit of a bleak picture. Um, but our, our trajectory is if, if I did these things today and I kept doing those things tomorrow and and the next day like where where would that lead me um it can be much more empowering to think about the trajectory of our current little habits rather than whether or not we're getting the results we want right now um i reckon in a season that feels really fatiguing full of constant change things feel unpredictable and out of control really like zooming in on some some tiny things that we can get some wins up and we can feel a sense of control um, is huge. Um, so in a nutshell, a habit has three parts. Anybody else know what the three building blocks of a habit are? A cue? Cue. A uh, <laughs> a um, behavior, behavior and a reward. So um, the cue is your phone dings. The behavior is you check that text message. The reward is you get a little bit of dopamine or whatever. That reward is really important because it reinforces your behavior for the next time the cue comes around. And... We have so many little habits like this and some of them are really helpful. Some of them maybe not so much, um, but really good to know those building blocks because then you can begin to kind of engineer or reverse, reverse engineer your habits. You can notice what are the cues for, for the unhealthy habits. So if every night I eat dinner and then I go and sit on the couch and I then the, I, because I've sat on the couch, it's like my cue to go back into the kitchen and get a bag of chips <laughs> and then I go and get my bag of chips and then I go eat them and I get the reward of those awesome chips and then I'm going to do the next thing the next night. Um, I'm creating habit. I may be speaking quite honestly about my life right now. Um, so noticing the cue means I can then, I can reverse engineer it by going, okay, no chips in the cupboard. I'm going to make sure there's no chips in the cupboard. I'm still going to feel the cue but I can no longer do the behavior. So that's, that's kind of how we can start to like interrupt our habits. Um, when it comes to creating a new habit or breaking an old one, uh, we basically want to make it easier to do the habits we want and the habits we know that are going to be good for our, our headspace and good for our well-being. We want to make it um, harder to do the habits we don't want. So uh, for example, if if I was watching too much TV and I wanted to change that habit, I want to increase the friction and make it harder. So I might unplug my TV after I watch it every time. And then next time I go and watch it, I've added in a step, which just makes it a little bit harder and you can dial up the, the difficulty. So, um, you know, I'm shocking with my phone, like we all are, but years ago I decided I did not want to start or finish my day scrolling social media. So my phone charger is in this room, the office, and it goes, the phone goes on the charger every night 
and then I go back to my room. And if I wanted to scroll social media while I was in bed, I'd have to like come out, go to this room, you know, same thing in the morning. I just can't do it. So we either increase or decrease the friction to make the, the habits we want to do easier, ones we don't want to do harder is the basic principle. Um, self-control is massively overrated. So just just forget about trying to make changes based on self-control and design better systems. Like all kind of habit theory and thought is around change the environment, change the systems, change where the cues are and the, what the rewards are and things like that. Don't just trust your self-control. You, you don't have what it takes. You don't have the willpower. Trust me. Um, if we're trying to make a habit out of something that we find very difficult, it is very unlikely that we will actually succeed. If I want to form a habit of going to the gym for half an hour a day and I just hate the gym, it is not going to happen, even if the gyms were legally accessible right now. It's not a good habit for me to try and work on. Um, so what I want you to do in a moment is to think about uh, a habit that you do want to work on. Um, I'll give you a couple more quick little hacks before we get there. Um, there's a thing that I, I like quite like the idea of called habit stacking. And this is to look at a, a well-established habit in your life. For example, I have a coffee every morning and I will have a coffee every morning for the rest of my life. This is a very well-established habit. So that's a habit I can stack another habit on top of. So I could say every morning I would like to read um, a positive affirmation or I'd like to read a psalm or I'd like to you know, engage with something that's just life-giving for five minutes so I'm going to put that on top of my coffee habit. That is where and when it is going to happen. Um, Pip was talking before about the recess. That's like a cue that had become a cue for the press conference, which became like the kind of thing that it all worked around. But you've changed that. And now the recess cue is something different. It might be going outside or getting off the computer for a few minutes. So that's a really good example of kind of habit stacking because there's already a, a break in place. All right, so I want to ask you what's a habit you want to make or break that you think will support your mental health during this time um, to help you kind of just with some general, you know, like zooming in the picture, six basic like building blocks for our mental health but also just our, our health are our sleep, our eating, our breathing, uh, our, our connecting with others, our moving exercising um, and and playing like if we're sleeping eating breathing connecting moving and playing in a normal week and we're doing those things you know with some degree of regularity that it, that that is essentially like the basics of good mental health um, so each of those there are habits we can adjust with our, our you know what time we go to bed or what our sleep routine looks like there are habits we can change when it comes to what we eat, what we put into our bodies, or how much water we drink is a big one in that regard. Um, one of my most well-formed habits now is starting every day with, with a glass of water because most of us don't drink enough water. So I just thought I'm just going to try and get a head start. I normally don't drink the rest of the two liters or whatever throughout the rest of the day, but I start it right every day. Um, habits around breathing. Do we actually have any kind of regularity of, you know, mindfulness, um, you know, breathing practices, simple little kind of deep breathing things that can help us to, to be grounded and relax. Um, yeah, connecting habits of how we, you know, connect with others. Uh, movement, exercise and, and play is super important as well. Doing stuff that is fun and joyful and, and brings us just into spaces of curiosity and creativity. Um, okay, so I want you to think about one of those areas. Let's all just choose the, the one out of sleeping, eating, breathing, connecting, moving, playing, where we might want to create a new habit. Or you might have something you want to work on that's outside of those and you just, you just know it. It comes to mind. It might be around tech or phone use or it might be around a spiritual habit that you want to develop. Maybe you do want to do more, more reading or something like that or prayer or whatever it is. So just try and focus in on your area. Don't worry about your habit yet, but we're just we're just choosing the the genre of habit that we're going to work on. 
when you got one, let us know what it is. I think mine would be sleep. Oh, can you hear me with these headphones on? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mine would be sleep and uh, your comment about browsing in the evening and the morning, that's, that's hit me right in my core. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I do that way too much. It's, and it just, uh, yeah, like before, just no disconnect. All right, cool. That's a great start, Pip. We're going we're gonna to narrow that down, get more specific in a moment, but anybody else got an area that they've, they want to work on? I think connecting for me would be a good one. Yeah, nice. <laughs> and making use of like, I guess the connections that I, you can make without being in person mm. a bit more. Mm-hmm. I don't know what what category mine would fit under. Maybe like breathing. If you kind of extend that out from just obviously breathing to I don't know, practices that give you, I don't know, space or something. I don't know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That'd probably be the general area. Like in the realm of like meditation and mindfulness or? Yes. Yeah. yeah like, yeah, I guess that mindfulness would be the closest thing. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. I feel like I want to jump in with you on that one. Mindfulness would be mine. We've got a comment. My video is broken. Feels weird to talk without a face. All of these areas need work in my life, but probably playing stands out to me. Nice one, Chandri. Uh, Graham, you got one? Yeah, I was thinking about, um, I guess it's play probably, um, focusing down on hobbies. Um, I keep putting, I want to do more with my 3D printer, but, there's just so much. Yeah. It seems like it's not important, so it just gets pushed to the side. Yeah. yeah. It is important. Go and 3D <laughs> print some stuff, please. Um, <laughs> if you got one, geez. So. Oh, well, there you go. Um, so just picking up off what, what Sunny or Chandri wrote in the comments as well, like all of those areas need work. That's probably a common feeling. Um, and one of the ways that we stop ourselves from change is by trying to take on too much at once and often feeling like we want to do the complete life overhaul. I don't know if you've ever had the experience, like you watch that minimalism movie on Netflix or something like that and you just want to just extreme like Marie Kondo you watch the Marie Kondo little docuseries and suddenly you want to change your life completely and um, very shortly afterwards you feel very very like crap about not succeeding um, it's it's if you try and take on something that is too big you you will go hard for a very short time burn out just as hard or harder and then feel shame that you didn't succeed. And this happens every January as people flood into their gym memberships and then a couple of weeks later just like are just wasting money and and not doing any, any gymming. Um, so when it comes to making a habit, we want to start with the smallest version that we possibly can. And... Um, it's, it's kind of like a habit on ramp where we want to start with the really small version that we can then use down the track. I remember Pip, I've shared with you before and you know, it was, you thought it was funny about the shoes, putting on your running shoes. Um, so the example often used here, and this comes from that book I referenced before atomic habits, but if you want to become a runner, this guy, James clear says the first habit to focus on is putting on your running shoes at, at the same time every day. Don't even focus. Don't, do not even run. But let's say four o'clock every afternoon, that's the time you ideally want to go for a run. You just you start working on the habit of putting your running shoes on. And then after you've done that for a week or two, then you might actually go outside and you do a two-minute run. But you actually discipline yourself to not go further than that two minutes because you want to establish the habit and the regularity. And as soon as you do the 5K run 
you know, tomorrow and then you're like, yes, I'm going to do this every day. You'll do it for two or three days max and then you won't do it anymore. Can you relate? Have you ever, have you ever experienced this? The, the burst of self-control and inspiration. So overrated. So in all of these areas, like, um, you know, if Pip wants to work on her sleep or having less screen time before sleep, then um, let's say your mind goes to, I will um, get off my phone an hour before I go to bed. I would do this often. I would have this like, you know, I'm going to just re-engineer the last hour or two of my day. I just don't follow through. But it's like, okay, I'm going to have five minutes of screen-free time before I go to sleep to begin with. And I'm going to really focus on that. And I'm just going to make that the thing that I work on right now. Um, or with, with Nicola's, you know, whatever your sort of thing is around creating space, create a two-minute window of space that's intentional and start to build the habit around that. And then it grows over time. Um, does that make sense? Any, any questions around this? We want to design the smallest. So if Tegan wants to connect, it's, it's what's the absolute micro version of connection that you know you can do. Is it just sending one emoji to one person each day or whatever it is? Um, then we want to think about what's going to be our, our cue, our behavior that we want, the two-minute behavior, and then the reward. Now, the reward doesn't always mean that we like give ourselves money or chocolate or something, but the reward can be that um, we actually feel like the reward can be I tick the box off my list or the reward can be that I actually I feel centered. I feel the grounding of doing some deep breath. So some, a lot of the time the reward is built in, but we want to make sure that we're getting um, – you know, the, the hard thing is often when we want to change our, our kind of behaviors, we want the long-term results, but we don't actually get that feedback until we've done the thing over the long-term, but we need to have some kind of really short-term uh, feedback loop that reinforces the habit, if that makes sense. Um, so I want you to just think for a moment around your habit. I want you to think about what the two-minute version of it is, and I want you to write down because when we write something down, we're 40% more likely to do it. So write it down on pen and paper or screen if you've got it, what the cue is for your habit, what the behavior is that you want to do, and what the reward is. So, for example, you could write down um, a reminder will go off on my phone at 9 a.m., every morning telling me to take three deep breaths. I will then take three deep breaths. I will then feel slower, like I'll feel more um, calm in my body. Okay, so do yours. I'll do one too. All right, has anybody got one that they want to share? Because again, writing it down makes us 40% more likely to do it. Sharing it with other people also increases our likelihood of doing it. I've actually decided to slightly change my one. Something that Mark and I often talk about is that even if we were watching TV or something, just tend to be on your phone while watching TV, such a waste of whatever the time is. But just think, even if it's just sitting and watching TV, like what you were saying, Will, before, just being a bit more present in some of the spaces that you have. And I even think if we're sitting and watching TV, that's a time for us to do nothing but together. But if I'm then putting a phone between us to browse or play a game or something, it's just not even, we're not even spending time together watching TV, really. So I've put mine as I'll, I'm going to put a reminder on my phone at 7.30 that my phone is going away just for that evening time when most likely we're probably watching TV, but just it won't be the double, the double screen. Nice. <laughs> if your phone is next to you on the couch while you're watching TV, it's like sitting next to candy. Like 
again, the self-control thing, you will just want to check it. So with, with that one, I would recommend have a, have an actual place where you put your phone when you're watching TV, whether it's in a drawer in the kitchen or whatever it is. And that's the habit to focus on. When we, when I pick up the remote, I put my phone in the drawer and that's the whole habit. And if you go back and get your phone 10 minutes later, cause you can't handle it, that's okay. Just try and focus on the habit of actually creating the friction. If that makes sense. I, like I don't it. know if it's helpful, but um, Dev gets really worried with his phone. that He'll miss like emergency things. So he has this app that turns off like browsing and turns off all the apps except for like just messages and phone calls. Um, and you set the amount of time. So he sets it for like half an hour when we have a date or whatever. Um, so things like that could be an option if you do get worried about that sort of stuff instead of putting it away. Yeah, that's Sorry, my phone battery's dying. That's why I'm on this thing. Um, that's super helpful, Kagan, actually, because that is something I am conscious about um, with people who'd be messaging me about work stuff. So mm. that's super helpful. Yeah, the the next um, the next iPhone iOS update has a feature that is called um, focus mode. So when that comes out, um, that is to help you try and yeah, I mean, there's already apps that exist and do that. They're just trying to knock those apps out of the out of the market. But you can look at it cynically, or you can think, wow, you know, Apple really want to help me with my screen time. How good! Uh, all right. Who else has a um, one that they want to share their plan for their little habit? I have more of a question or like seeking ideas, but um, are there any good ways for building habits when you don't really have a schedule? Like I work shift work and it's like last night I didn't sleep at all because I worked overnight sort of thing. Um, so, and then I slept all day. So my days are very all over the place. And so I can't just set an alarm for 9am and do a thing every day at 9am. Um, yeah, things around yeah. that. <laughs> so your environment is a huge, like huge indicator of your behavior or a huge influence on your behavior. So um, if you don't have the regular kind of daily rhythm that you can work with you can try and kind of engineer some things in your environment so you could make the habit um, every time I walk in this door that's when I'm going to do x thing or every time I leave for a shift that's when I'm going to do the like five minutes before I leave I'm going to do the the walk or the breathing exercise or the whatever it is but I would connect it to the things that like you do consistently go to your shifts or, or whatever it is, or you do consistently come home. So try and build the habit around those kind of things. Or when I say environment, it could be more around I'm going to in this room of my house, this is the room that I'm going to try and set up that cue. Or, you know, when I, when I, I've got a note that's up on my mirror so whenever I go to that that note, that is the prompt, and it's about when I'm in that place rather than necessarily the time. Is that helpful? Yes, you give me a great idea, which is when I'm on the toilet because that's something I do every day. <laughs> yes, hundred <laughs> percent. Cool. Um, definitely as well, if anyone's interested, the, the book that I referenced, Atomic Habits, you could listen to it as an audio book or read it or just Google the ideas, but like it's, it's a game changer. It's a really good book. Um, I was also going to say, yeah, I've spent a lot of time doing shift work as well, but the one that I was going to suggest is in the shower because you do tend to have a shower every day. Um, or the other thing I used to do was driving to my shift no matter what time it was, like I would get called in at like, 3am um you know whatever time i was heading into work that that drive you know was was the cue for whatever like reflecting on something or whatever yeah um okay so my one was the habit i want to break it was negative self-talk 
Um, so the queue, like rather than creating a habit, I wanted to break one. Um, the queue is like having having a negative a negative thought, like recognizing that, um, and then the behavior is to say out loud, stop, um, and maybe even like a physical sort of stop, um, and then like state a positive affirmation about myself, and I've kind of got a list of those, um, and then the reward. I was trying to think of a, a non-intrinsic reward for when the intrinsic one isn't enough, um, but the intrinsic reward was just basically that that less negativity and feeling better about myself in general. But yeah, I was trying to think if there was like a little a little reward that would work that wasn't reliant on something that was intrinsic because sometimes the it doesn't help intrinsically until you've done it a bit. <laughs> but I couldn't think of anything, so I have to keep thinking about that. Yeah, that, that one is a bit of a challenging one because particularly as well, those thoughts can happen anywhere, any place, any time. Um, yeah, try and think of if there's something, even just something small that can be an encouragement to you. That I mean, you mentioned before you've got your thing in your phone of like things to look at. Maybe there's something that after you've said that stop, there's something you can look at or listen to that you know is going to just be a positive, warm moment for you but yeah actually so, oh, this might sound a bit weird but something that i do find quite um self-rewarding is actually feeling my own pulse um so that's something mm. i could do like you know i could just i like to challenge myself to feel it in weird places um but you know like just feeling my pulse wherever i am even if i'm a meeting i can kind of cross my hands and look like i'm just sitting there crossing my hands but actually feeling my pulse yeah nice i like it creative <laughs> Uh, anyone else want to share? And not not everyone has to. Don't feel like I've made this as a compulsory sharing circle. I think you're on mute, Tegan. No, I'm not. <laughs> I was just thinking that I could um, send someone a message when I check my phone in the morning. Yeah, nice. Tegan, if you ever want to send me a message, I'd be delighted to receive it and I'll send you an emoji back. Thank you. That sounds good. <laughs> That'll be one of the hardest bits, I guess, trying to figure out who to send a message to. So that's a good starting point. Anytime. And if you choose to send one to someone else, I won't get offended that you didn't send it to me either. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, Sunny, I'm really struggling to come up with a good habit to encourage play in my life. I don't have any cool hobbies or interests. Oh, no. Um, I struggle with this a bit too, but I've recently been doing a little bit of coloring in. Might I suggest if you're interested in some coloring in, that's a pretty easy, uh, starting place. Um, or building some cool Lego. Yes. I yes. get a real kick out of that. <laughs> I just bought myself a paint by number kit, which I've never done in my life before. Something a bit different to try. Nice. Coloring sounds like a win. All right, now you need to choose, well, you need to make sure you have the stuff ready. Um, so uh, that this one kind of ties in with mine, Sunny. Like I um, obviously love to, to write, but um, it can be something that definitely just gets pushed out of life. So I've had this habit in the past, which I want to resurrect, where before I go to bed at night, I put an open book and pen at the table where I'm going to sit for my morning coffee. And then the next morning when I come out, make my coffee, I've got the open book and pen and I'm just going to write a single sentence. That's my short two minute version of the habit I'm going to work on single sentence every morning. And my reward is going to be that I will feel authentic in my writing practice. And I won't feel like such a fraud when I tell other people to do stuff like that. Um, so have your coloring in um, book or whatever it is in a place where you can, you know, it's, it's kind of easy and choose when, whether it's going to be a daily thing or a weekly thing, just get, you know, put in that, that two minutes where you just color in, you can even with the coloring in, just color in one section each day and just try and build it up and see how you go. But yeah, I want to see pictures when you've done some. Awesome. All right, my friends. Well, thank you for um, spending your evening talking about this stuff. I love this stuff. I could talk about it forever. 
Um, but just the quick recap is keep an eye on the narratives and where you're getting those guiding voices from. I, I think we all, you know, we all follow like rabbis to use Christian language. And that's why, like, in many ways, the story of Jesus and, and following Jesus to me is about a rabbi with a really good, deep, life-giving narrative. And everyone is trying to get me to follow them. And everyone is trying to recruit me to their thing. And so it's which, which voice am I going to try and return to um, that's going to reorient and recenter me. So the narratives, the connections that we have, both with ourselves and with others. Let's let's be kind and gentle and actually present with ourselves and try and extend that towards others. Try and, you know, have those uh, regular and real relationships. And then um, working on habits when we can't control the big stuff, which none of us can, what are the really, really small things that we can get a sense of control over? Um, I love the idea of when when you say a negative thought, you say stop, and that is like a, a small exercise of like, no, I'm I'm taking back control. Um, I do have a picture of a stop sign as one of the things on my phone <laughs> folder. Awesome. Come on. Um, I just want to finish with um, some familiar words, but I think very, very appropriate given this setting. You know, I love the invitation of Jesus when he says, come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And I actually was thinking that that little, that little statement involves like narrative community and habits because it's, it's a different narrative. The, the yoke of a rabbi was their way of understanding the Torah, was their way of understanding like the, the story of God's people. And so when Jesus talks about his yoke, it's a narrative. Take on my way of understanding the story of God and, and God's love for humanity. Um, and then the invitation into the way of Jesus is into walking alongside. So there is into connection and it is into community and, and with Jesus, but also with each other. Um, and then there's there's habits, but they're, they're the habits that are the light ones. They're the habits that kind of make the burden light. So... There's my little little pastoral moment just to, to hit you with. But, um, yeah, I think that that's an invitation that, you know, I often feel weary and burdened. So I like the idea of coming and receiving rest. And uh, hopefully you do too. Good luck with your two-minute habits. Feel free to share how you're going with them. Um, you know, it'll encourage others if you want to um, send a message to someone or a picture or let us know how you're going. And uh, if you do have any other questions about this stuff, um, I've got stacks of recommended books, podcasts, things like that, if you want. But I know that I throw that stuff out all the time and, you know, who knows if people are into it. But do come and ask if you, if you want it. All right. Take care of yourselves and uh, have a good rest of your week.